The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Hello and welcome to Fearless Fabulous You. I am your host, Melanie Young. I'm a certified health coach, author of Getting Things Off My Chest and Fearless Fabulous You, and hopefully a motivational motivational muse for people like you who are joining me today. My audience is women, 35 plus, who want to take control of their lives, live with better purpose, be healthy, and just have more intent and happiness because God knows we all need more of that right now. Um, you know, I often have lots of great guests on the show who are experts, and I love it. Last week I had an expert um, on uh, cervical cancer because January, and today is January 26th, January is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. Dr. Mira Hellman was on from Hackensack Medical Center and provided valuable information. But you know, sometimes. I have an opportunity where I have no show guests and I was thinking about what I wanted today to look like. And I realized that I am an expert in many topics and I've never really taken the time other than to talk about breast cancer tied to my book for survivors and newly diagnosed. I've never really talked about the other area of my life and how I can help people like you. And we're going to do that today. We're going to have ask Melanie, ask the expert. Now, what are we going to talk about? Well, I have found that what you're an expert on is very often what people come to you for, for advice and expertise. Now, I'm going to say that again, if people come to you frequently because they consider you an expert or or value your opinion on a topic or a service, you are an expert. You don't necessarily have to be a PhD or have a master's to be an expert in something. Sometimes it's life experience and having been down that road. I certainly didn't have a degree in oncology or medicine when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, but I certainly mastered the ability to take control of my life and run a company, undergo treatment, change how I took care of myself to stay healthy, and turn that into a book that shares the life experience that I had, as well as those of the women who also have been diagnosed, we all became insta-experts on a topic that we knew nothing about on our personal experience. So, you know, all of us are experts in something. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's cooking at home using, you know, on a budget. Maybe it's creating a vision board and seeing it through. Maybe you are amazing at grooming a dog, at writing poems and making somebody posted, one of my Facebook friends, I have a lot of faith, posted beautiful Play-Doh sculptures. She was so proud of her Play-Doh sculptures. There's always something. And why I'm saying that is that many of us are in a time in our lives where we're sick and tired of what we're doing and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do next and we can't figure out what that's going to be. 
So start from within and think, what is it that everybody always comes to me for advice-wise that I really like to do that I can then spin back out and offer as a service or a product? It works. A lot of people come to me asking me how I sold most of my possessions, <laughs> how I um, to you know sell my house, how I became successful in public relations, how I became successful in events, how I monetize this podcast. That was the most recent question. How do you monetize your podcast? How did you start your podcast? How do you monetize your podcast? How do you find guests? And I realized that that is a gift to share with others. So what we're going to talk about today uh, is twofold. We're going to talk about how to use your talents to become an expert to help others. But we're also going to talk about, at the beginning, how to protect your wise, sage knowledge so that you're not giving it all away for free. Now, I learned the hard way. I, I started a, a public relations special events business back in 1989. Yes, there were computers back then. I started my apartment in New York City by myself, bought a IBM computer, a fax machine and a printer and had a phone and announced I was in business. And somehow, somehow, somehow business came to me uh, because I was considered an expert. People liked the work I did um, when I was working for other people and uh, I would take on anything. I would take on anything just to get my foot in the door and build my business, which I did successfully for 20 something years. Over that time, I learned a few lessons that I'm going to share for you. And one of them is as your expertise grows and people realize that you have something value to offer, they will often ask you to provide that value for free versus pay. I call it pick my brain. How many times has someone said to you in an email or a phone call, can I pick your brain? I can I can I can't even count the number of times that has happened to me and usually it's you know uh, uh, just a, it, can I ask you advice but often it's a full blown brain pick and at one point a colleague and of mine had felt we were being brain picked so often for free that we were going to create a toll free number to charge one eight hundred pick my brain okay that's how bad it gets so I've come with up with some solutions. Uh, to address the common question, how to pick my brain, how, to, how can I pick your brain? And I also asked some of my friends on Facebook this morning, and it actually got a lot of conversation. So I also got um, some great feedback uh, and voluntary sharing about this. First of all, picking one's brain is just a term that could mean anything. It could mean, can I get advice? Can I get your opinion? Would you take time to talk to me? Uh, down to, I need important intelligence. Can you induce me to somebody? Who do you know? Can you share a mailing list? On and on and on and on. So it, it can mean a lot of things. Sometimes it's perfectly fine. Sometimes it's a take advantage. The way you handle this is this. First of all, look at who is doing the asking. Is it a good friend, a client, a business colleague, or just a random connection out of LinkedIn. I get those often. Can I talk to you about something? I'd like to get to know you better. A lot of people want to get to know me better, <laughs> but not really. Um, think about who that person is and whether you want to help them as a friend, mentor, a volunteer, or if you want to draw the line in the sand and say, this is a potential you know, client, customer for me, and I want to be paid for my time. Also, look at your time. A lot of brain picks are time suckers. Uh, and I've been on more than enough, quote, new business meeting calls in my day that have lasted for hours, 
And at the end of it, I was asked to produce a proposal just for the privilege of potentially getting the business and eventually doing a presentation. Okay, now we've talked about hours and hours of time, right, for free, going to the presentation and then crickets, never hearing back from this prospect. Worst case scenario, one prospect told me many years later that she often asks for proposals from companies so she can get ideas to use internally. Terrible, right? Terrible, terrible. And I can't even believe she confessed that to me. So I stopped doing those freebies. Um, Late in life, after a file folder of proposals that went nowhere, into the great beyond the black hole of proposal them, I decided I would no longer do big expensive proposals. And recently someone came to me who said, Oh, we'd like to help you with a help have, bring you on as a partner on a proposal for this big region uh, in wine and food in Europe. And would you like to help with the proposal? And I said, mm, I'd love to help work on the program. We have a great track record, but we no longer spend the time writing long, detailed proposals. I'll do a one or two sheet for you. So that was the line in the sand where, I, you know, how serious is this? Because if somebody's asking you to write a lot of you know, detail and do a lot of intelligence work and a lot of research and a lot of really valuable intelligence to provide in a proposal, they should be paying you for that time. Otherwise, it's a giant brain pick. So those are some examples. So. One, just to recap, who is asking you for the brain pick, the information, the data, your opinion? If it's a potential client, you need to evaluate how much you want to give to get the business and how much you want to hold back and provide after the contract is signed. If it is a friend, use your judgment. I have been in a situation where I leaned on and reached out to a very valued friend who contributed to my book and much later felt, she said, you know, I don't want to do anything with you anymore. You, you took advantage of me. And when I never understood that because I thought I was helping her. So you have to be very clear when you're talking to somebody and they say, can I pick your brain? Say, I'd love to help you. Tell me more about what you're doing and why you've come to me for advice. So do your due diligence and find out why they're coming to you. And are you talking to a lot of people about this or are you specifically talking to me? And what is it that you'd like to, you know, learn from me? Ask questions back, throw the question back at them. It's your choice if you want to give them a little bit of time and say, sure, I'd love to spend a few minutes of time on the phone if you'd like. If you want to have coffee with them, great. I find that's a big, you know, sometimes it's valuable to get to know someone in person. Sometimes it's a waste of time. And, you know, limit the time that you're going to talk to them. You know, set a timer, 15 minutes, and say, look, I have 15 minutes. I'd love to talk to you. Tell me what you're thinking about. What? How can I help you? Be supportive. And then decide if it's worth your time to do more and say, look, I'd love to do more with you. Uh, I have a business that specializes in helping people like you do fill in the blank. Would you like me to send you a proposal on how we can work together? That is the line in the sand it is the cue to the other person that this is becoming a business conversation. Now I spent, I was on a, a virtual call. Actually I gave a virtual talk for free 
because I often do that for free. Uh, and I had a number of people write me after it saying they wanted to work with me, collaborate with me. They valued what I had to say. How can we work together on and on and on? I took two informational meetings An informational meeting is another word for pick your brain, but informational meetings to find out what they wanted and how I could help them. And honestly, one of them ended up being an hour and a half conversation uh, that went nowhere. And uh, shame on me for allowing that to happen. Shame on that person for letting it happen as well. So, you know, you need to create your boundaries. If you agree to do an informational meeting, uh, say, I'd love to do it with you by phone, by Zoom, or in person. I have this much time. What would you like to get out of this meeting? How can I best help you? And that puts the onus on that person to come back to be very focused with you. They, your time is valuable and you want to make sure that you provide the most value to them. Why do you do it that way? Because they may become a customer. They may want to refer you to a business. Maybe they don't have the money to hire you, but you were kind enough to spend time with them that they will refer you to someone else. I'll get to that in a minute. Now that's option one, the complimentary informational meeting slash brain pick that you agree to with the goal of either helping someone sincerely because you like them, potentially leading it to other business that's paying, or maybe you want to get something out of that person yourself. Maybe that person who comes to you has an interesting business where you'd like to learn something from them. That's another way to handle it. I see you're in the business of, I'll just give you an example, of blockchain. Okay, I know nothing about blockchain, but I'm curious to learn more. I think it'll help me in my writing about the topic. And also, I just want to learn about it because it's very cutting edge. So if somebody came to me because they wanted to pick my brain about how to raise awareness for their new blockchain business or how they can get on my radio show, because a lot of people want to do that to promote their new blockchain business, I may say, well, here's what I can share with you if we take a few minutes. But I'd also like to ask you some questions as well. Would you mind? So the give and take is genuine. I'll help you if you help me or inform you if you inform me. That's a great way to do it as well. What value can you provide to that person? And what value can you get back from them? Either way, you don't have to offer free advice. You can also say, look, I have a policy that anytime I go into an uh, informational meeting, uh, my time is very limited. I'd be happy to help you. I do charge a nominal fee for my time. Do you mind? Would you be willing to pay it? Nine times out of 10, they probably won't. But I'm going to tell you right now, some people do. I've actually used that tactic. And I've said, look, I'd love to help you. This sounds like a big topic, a big ask. And for that, I have to charge for my time. I hope you understand. Pause. And that person will either say, I don't have a budget right now. And you can say, I understand and respect that. I wish I could help, but understand that I have very limited time right now um, to give away my time. When you have a budget, please come back. I'd love to help. Always keep the door open. If the person says, okay, what would you, what would be your rate? Make sure you have it ready to discuss. Don't say, I'll get back to you. <laughs> say, okay, let me tell you what I can do for you. Perhaps you offer them an introductory rate for an hour of talking. Say, look, I'd love to talk to you for an hour. My normal rate is 
$250, okay, or whatever it is for your market. I'll be willing to, let's give you a special rate in the hopes that you'll consider working me with down the road, $100. So you've given them value, you've kept value for yourself, and maybe they'll like what you had to say and hire you down the road. So you have that option as well. So just to where we are, you don't have to give away your great intelligence knowledge unless you choose to. It's a choice. If you choose to do it, you can also ask in return for something. There's nothing wrong with that. It's called quid pro quo. I do it all the time. If you don't know what you want back, keep that door open. Always take the high road. Be gracious. Ask questions. Be enthusiastic. It may have taken that person a lot of effort to come to you to ask. Always keep the door open and be very clear what your intention is and what you can bring to the table. But don't leave money on the table as well. If this person has a budget and can pay you, make sure you're getting paid for your time. You should be very clear about that on your website. You should be extremely clear in your presentations, your one, shot, you know, your one sheets about you. Here's how I work. Be very clear if you charge, a, give, offer a complimentary consultation for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or a reduced rate initial consultation or what your rate is. Be very clear. If you don't want to share your rates online or publicly, say, please email me or direct mail me to inquire about my rates and services and have a one sheet ready, one sheet, maybe two if you have to, one sheet that explains what that is. And I can go into that later. So that's the question about pick your brain which is basically, can I get some ideas out of you or encouragement or an opinion or intelligence? When does pick my brain cross the line? Well, here's where it crosses the line for me. When the individual keeps coming back for more pick brain time after the first initial meeting, I usually stop that by saying, now that we've had this time together, let me give you a rate sheet for the rest of my time. Be very clear. When the individual says things like, um, it's not about your time, but I have this great product. I'd like you to, I'm going to send it to you and I'd like you to talk about it on your social media feed or your blog for free. Now this gets tricky um, because I'm getting a product in exchange for a mention. And in Traditional PR, public relations and communication, that happens and it's, like a, again, a quid pro quo. There's no obligation. If I don't like the product, I don't have to write about it. If I do like the product, I should. However, and this is a big however, in current days, there is a, uh, in times, there is um, a growing movement toward paid content and paid promotion and it's gaining momentum thanks to the ever-growing uh, influencer marketing that's going on. Influencers have many, many followers, and those followers are valuable to products and services who want those influencers to talk about their products and services, I, you know, preferably for free. But what we're learning is many charge for that privilege. Many make a lot of money posting about products and writing effusively about them or how to use them on their websites or their social media feeds or in 
TikTok and YouTube videos, and they're being paid for that. It is perfectly fine to do. You have to be transparent about it. You either say, I was recently sent this box of, okay, I'm looking at one that was sent to me recently, Oryx Desert Salt. Uh, the uh, company reached out to me on LinkedIn. They said, can we send you some salt? It's a salt from Namibia. Would you use it, uh, show it in photos and post about it on social media? Okay. I received the salt. I'm using it. But I, you know, where I draw the line in sand is, you know, I don't need to do a campaign around this salt for free. Uh, I'll acknowledge it. I'll say it's interesting. I'll find ways to write about it because it's a very cool product. But there should be no obligation. If you feel there's obligation, do not accept the product. Do not put yourself in a situation where you're, you know, taking product and not giving back. Or be very clear. I'd love to take your product. I do charge for promotion. But be very clear about that when people reach out to you. It's the same thing whether it's your advice or your time posting on social media, promoting a product, introducing people. The other one is, can you introduce me to 10 people? Now, I consider that valuable, and I actually do this often as a service to help people because I want to help people. So uh, when I was researching my book, getting things off my chest, a lot of people introduced me to people and I was very grateful about it. And I acknowledge every single one of them in my book and did the best effort I could to promote them. When people come to me and they say, I'd like to, you know, talk to you about my product or service. And I realize there's nothing I can do to support them. Maybe I don't want to, maybe it doesn't fit. I always try to leave the door open by opening a door for that person to someone else. I'm going to say that again because I think it's a great motto and a great business and a great way to service people. Even if you are going to close the door on a prospect and you like what they're doing, try to find a way to help open the door to another person for them. I have a company called The Connected Table that is based on that. That is a wonderful thing to do and they will always remember you for that. I've actually had people come back to me many years later saying that because I opened the doors for them to introduce them to other people, it has helped them and gave them confidence. So know that you do that from the heart and it can come back to you in other ways. Now, where does it draw the line? Okay. So I told you why I do it to help people and connect them with other people. And I love doing it. It's like matchmaking. It's something I get great joy out of doing. So it's very authentic. Where does it draw the line? Recently, I've had some people ask me, and I've had in the past clients ask me to share my mailing list. Okay, that draws the line. A mailing list is a proprietary asset, much like your artwork or your logo or any photography you create for your website. It's a proprietary asset that really people cannot take and share without your permission. And with a mailing list, it's particularly tricky because it's I think it may be unlawful. I'm not sure about that. But when people sign up for your mailing list or you sign them up, you should have a disclaimer that you do not rent, sell, or share your mailing list unless you do. I don't. Um, I will not sign up for mailing lists where I know they're being resold. I try not to because otherwise I'm bombarded with things that I'm not interested in. 
Uh, so you could be very careful about that. When the person asked me about merging mailing lists, I didn't say anything because I didn't feel like I needed to at the time. But when I have been asked in the past, I have said, you have paid me a fee for my services, which include my mailing list, but they are my services and my mailing list and my talent and my proprietary assets and keep it that way. Um, the one time I did not do that, and we've all made mistakes, the one time I did not do that, I regretted it. That client used my mailing list over and over and over again. Now, how do I know that? Because I seed my mailing list with special emails that come back to me and I saw the abuse and misuse and I'll, I, I regretted it from the day I did it and I did it in a point of weakness. So never let anybody put you in a point of weakness because you want the business so badly that you will say yes to things that you know are not right, like releasing certain assets that you own to let them use. Another one like that, and this is so important, is your image or um, yeah, your image or your photography or anything that is yours. And if somebody's buying it for one-time use, it's for one-time use. It's not for multiple uses. It's not for if they're buying it to use in an ad. It's not to be used for other campaigns. You've got to have a very good legal contract in place for that because um, one of the you know, big difficulties with the internet right now is people just download stuff all the time and, and, and there's a lot of copyright infringement going on. So you've got to protect your assets and be very clear about what is included in a contract that clients can use and what is not. Now, I do that, for example, in every contract I have, I say mailing lists and my podcast, the property of the connected table. I provide links that are shareable with the condition that they hashtag and promote the connected table for podcasts. But otherwise, they're mine. They don't belong to other people. Now, when you're doing a contract for work for hire, which many freelancers do, it gets a little more different because work for hire means you're creating information, content, visual whatever for a client. And there are a couple of definitions of that. So you should be aware of it because um, it's a whole nother ball game. The first situation for work for hire is when work is created by an employee. So you're working for a company as part of the employee's regular duties. So if you're working for an agency or an event company or, or a technology company, uh, and you create something as an employee that technically belongs to the company, unless you have a contractual arrangement that says you also get the rights. I think there was a really interesting story about that. I think it was the creator of Post-it Note who created it and never, you know, he created for the company and and never got any a dime for all that great work. It's, it, it gets sticky when it becomes an invention. Again, you know, no, you know, get a lawyer to help you when you're in something where you're developing something for another company. Because you can't take that intelligence with you. You can be sued. So that's number one. If you're working for a company and you're working for that company and creating material, software, you name it, it belongs to the company. It does not belong to you unless you have prior arrangement in a contract. The other work for hire is two, when a certain type of work is created as a result of an express written agreement between the creator and the party ordering or commissioning the work. Now, 
that is normally how I have worked in the past, creating um, campaigns, creating articles, creating visuals, creating slogans and brand identities. I've been paid or my company has been paid to create this work for the client who ultimately owns it. So if you feel that you want to own your work, and this also applies to your books, make sure you agree to have copyrights in your name if you want ownership. Um, a lot of authors, you know, give away the copyright to the book while they're eager to get their first book published. They don't read the fine line that the publisher owns the book. That's a big example. Um, so you have to think about that. Who do you want to own the material? And that could be a dividing line in the sand, working, working as a freelancer. But it's something you need to think about all the time. And I'll give you an example. I've created many programs in the past, programs and initiatives that have made major impacts. And guess what? I'm no longer involved because even though I created the programs, I ran the programs, I built the programs and made them a success, you eventually, the client owns the programs and when they want to move on and get a fresh new face, you're out. That's the working relationship. That's the contract work for hire. So you need to decide how you want to work. And if that doesn't appeal to you, you've got to think really long and hard on what you want to be doing instead and how you want to and be crystal clear from conversation one, how you work. It's very important. Um, interestingly, I posted today the question about pick my brain on my social media feed. Uh, it is a it is a question that annoys a lot of people. I have found out, not just me. Uh, it happens all the time. I get I get the email still all the time. Um, I've been well, right now. It's more along the lines of, can, would you evaluate my product and tell me what you think about it? Would you post about my product for free because I'm giving it to you for free? Would you um, give me some time to help me develop my business? You have to decide what you will give, what you want to get, and is it worth your time? And frankly, is it worth the other people's time? Right? Here's some comments that came through that I'm going to share, not complaint comments, but helpful comments um, that maybe can help you. So first of all, someone asked, how do people respond? Is that really okay to say I'm going to charge for my time? The answer is yes. And I'm going to give you a tip. I sometimes ask myself when somebody asks me to do something that I think is a bit stretchy or undervalues my time and talent. I'll ask myself and I'll ask my husband, would you do it for the same amount of time or money? Would they be asking me that same question or offering me that same price if I were a man? And interestingly, my husband and I have sparred about that quite a bit because he has said that I have undervalued my time many times, undervalued my time writing articles, et cetera, and he would charge more. Uh, so think about that. Are they asking you for something to do for free that is essential income to you? The answer is yes, and you need to be very clear. I'd love to help you. I charge for this. Let's work together. Do you have a budget? Don't be embarrassed about that. Uh, a wonderful person who I respect and have had on this show, 
and I'm happy to call her out because I love her to death, Molly McDonald. She founded the Pink Fund, which I'm just going to plug this because it's so awesome. She's a breast cancer survivor like me. She started the Pink Fund to help women who are newly diagnosed with breast cancer with some financial aid to help with basic out-of-pocket expenses that everyone has to deal with when they go through breast cancer, whether it's transportation, groceries, maybe helping with utilities, if they're having trouble you know, paying the bills, childcare. Um, these are things that many people don't realize get expensive when you're going through a cancer treatment. And she created the Pink Fund, the pinkfund.org for that reason. It's the pinkfund.org. But Molly says that she gets the pick your brain a lot because she is a standard bearer in creating what I call social impact charities that give back and help people. And she can't give away free advice. She runs a nonprofit. She's got to take care of her nonprofit. So she gave a great tip www.givesly.com, G-I-V-S-L-Y.com. And I went on this site, and it's really interesting. It's a way to provide information or advice or whatever you want to give, and in return, make it have, have the requestee, the person you're advising, the asker, make a donation to a charity of your choice. I thought that was a great idea. I'm looking for other, and if anyone has any other tips like that, I'd love for you to send them to me. Um, you can go to my Facebook page, Fearless Fabulous Melanie Young, or to Instagram Melanie Fabulous. I'd love to hear any other tips from you on how you handle Can I Pick Your Brain and how you turn that brain pick into a paying client. That's super important. How do you turn that into a um a paying client. Another person said, um, Morgan, my mentor always said to give advice freely to others on your topic and become the go-to expert. I think that's a great tip also. Now, here's why. When you're building your reputation or your brand, you have to give to get, okay? You have to give to get. So when I started out my business, I I did a lot of go-sees, as they say in, in, in many businesses, to sit and provide a morsel, or I call it the muse-bouche in the food world of advice, uh, to get the potential client or customer interested in working with me. So I would dangle a few interesting morsels, information, um, whatever, that would say, wow, this person is so on it. I want to work with her. And that's a great way to become an expert as well as land a client. So what are some examples that can make you do that better? And they can also do these on social media. One is to do your research and find interesting facts about the area of expertise you are working in. Okay. Do your research. Say, did you know, I recently read, um, you know, you know, nine times that I'll talk, I've been building a media training business. So, you know, I recently read a report that 75% of public speakers, feel they get tongue-tied right before they go out on the stage. Here's some tips to help you untie your tongue, okay? The more you do that, the more you reinforce that topic through research or tips, handy tips, or sharing articles on the topic, the more people will come to you and say, wow, she really knows what she's talking about, okay? Um, I get asked a lot, how did you reinvent and become uh, a show host? Well, that's actually a great story. Uh, I didn't train to become a podcast radio show host. I fell into it and decided I liked it and decided to really, really good at it. Uh, how did that happen? Well, I worked in public relations. Okay, let me back that up. 
I wanted to be a writer. I just wanted to write. And that was post Watergate. And I was in Washington. And I took about 150 typing tests because everybody I interviewed with wanted me to be a secretary and type. I was the worst typist in the world, so I flunked all the typing tests. But somehow I managed to talk my way into working for a public relations consultant to help him with his events. I said I helped my mother with her fundraisers when I was younger. I think I can do this job. And I got my foot in the door. I knew what I was doing, but I was so afraid that I'd fail that I just figured it out. Long story short, that was my first job in the business I became an expert in. And I continued just to nose to the grindstone, become the best press release writer in the company, become the best media pitcher in the company, get the most placements. Whatever I could do, I did. I happened to like doing it, so I became very good at it because I lived and breathed it every day. Flash forward, when I decided to open my company, I did it because I stopped liking working for other people. I no longer wanted to punch the clock for other people. And when that time came and I knew I was less than enthusiastic where I was working, I knew it was time to leave. And I knew at that point I wanted to open my own agency. So I hung out my shingle, as I said earlier. I bought a IBM computer because I didn't know any other brand. I bought a fax machine. I bought a printer and I had a phone and I started calling everybody I could and emailing everybody could. So I'm in business. Let's work together. And I don't think I ever did a brain pick where I asked anybody for help. I just did it. But I asked for a lot of meetings to let people know what my capabilities are and how I could help them because everybody needs help in some way. And the business came. That business did very well for itself. It created some amazing programs. Some I kept and retained and others I lost because I was work for hire and clients come and go. You can't take that too personally because when you do, it really sucks you dry emotionally. When I decided to close that company because I couldn't sell it, didn't want to sell it, didn't want to work for anybody else, I decided to create the connected table. I had no idea what I was going to do. I created the name first and liked the idea of connecting people, but I didn't know what else. And it just so happened that I was on a media tour for my book, Getting Things Off My Chest, A Survivor's Guide to Staying Fearless and Fabulous in the Face of Breast Cancer. And I was doing a lot of radio interviews. And I had booked them myself, by the way. I didn't have a publicist. I couldn't afford a publicist. I just did the work myself and used my talents to promote myself. And I did pretty well at it. And it was during that time I met a woman who had her own radio network about cancer. And I said, how did you, you know, how did this come to be? How did you cut your own show? And she said, well, I want to always have a voice. And I um, did a proposal and landed a contract with a company. And I said, I'd love to learn more. And she took the time to connect me with the individual that helped her bring her show to fruition. And that's how Fearless Fabulous You and my other show, The Connected Table, came to be. It was one person helping another. It wasn't a brain pick. It was an honest, I was on her show. We had a great camaraderie. I said, I'm impressed by what you've done. How did you do it? I'd like to try something like this. And she gave me the one thing that mattered most, the encouragement and a phone call, actually an email to introduce me. And the rest of it I did on my own. But I did it, and I've learned through the ropes how to make it work um, by finding guests that I like to interview and sharing their story. 
Uh, I put my name out there saying I'm looking to interview you. I'm looking to interview wonderful stories. I'm looking for women who are experts in health and wellness. I'm looking for interesting entrepreneurs. I threw it up on social media channels and Facebook groups. I'm very active in many, including Fearless Fabulous Women, um, a couple of public relations groups that are private. And the stories came flowing in. And the more I did the stories and the interviews, the more I promoted them out to the world. Long story short, I'm now in my, I think, eighth year of the show, Fearless Fabulous You. So, which brings me to the most recent brain pick. How do you make money in your show? (laughs) I get asked that a lot. How do you make money doing this? How do you make money doing that? Wow. I, you know, (laughs) I love directness and, and, and openness and I try to be as open as possible back. It's not easy to put a value on something that many people do for free, which is telling stories. So you whatever you're doing, need to put a value on what you're doing and do your homework. What are other people charging for your services, your products, your time, your knowledge? Do some due diligence. Um, You may have to do it, you know, by, you know, asking people directly. You may have to ask other people what they're paying, but find out what the market is. And if you can't figure it out, you're going to have to set your own price and just base it on what your budget is and what you value your time to be. And the way I do it now is if it's something that's obviously a commercial product with a huge budget, I usually do my research. I research where they're spending money elsewhere. And if they're spending money doing advertising campaigns, I'll say, look, I see you're doing an advertising campaign with X, Y, and Z outlet. Let's do something together here on my custom content platform where I do charge. So I, again, draw the line in the sand about what I'll do for free and what I constitute as pay professional work. You need to decide at your end what that is. If you're a bartender, I'll give you some examples based on the people I know in my social media feed. If you're a bartender or a chef, often you are called on to do charity work. And God bless you for it. I know how expensive it is to, for your time and your staff time and your ingredient time to do charity work. And I've got to tell you, I've asked many chefs and bartenders to do work for free for charities. I mean, we all want to support charities right now, but we also know that many people who work in the restaurant and bar industry are hurting. They've been hurt by the pandemic. Many have lost their jobs and they're trying to find a way to make money. So you also have to think and be respectful of the ask. If you're asking someone to donate their time for your charity or your company or your whatever, what can you offer them to help offset any expenses they may incur? For example, if you're asking a bartender or a chef to donate their time and services to do a cooking class or cook at your event, will you cover the costs of the food or the ingredients? Because that comes out of their pocket. So give to get. Give to get. So... um you know, if you're inviting someone out because you want to pick their brain and ask their advice, offer to take them to lunch. Buy the damn cup of coffee. Don't expect them to pay for their own when you're picking their brain and asking them for something free. Be ready to give back. Send a thank you note. Give a thank you gift. Make a donation to their charity as a thank you. Again, if you're asking, give back. There's always a way, whether it's giving back. Uh, recently, a lovely woman 
who I had worked with on a social media program. I'll give her a shout out here, Cece Olisa. She's got a great Instagram feed. Uh, She does a lot in fashion and curvy girls. And she asked me how I built my radio show and podcast. She wanted some advice. I don't consider it a pick brain. I considered it just advice. And I liked her. And I said, here's what I did. And I'll be happy to introduce you to the people who I'm working with. I did it happily. I did it willingly. I didn't ask for anything else back. But she actually followed up with me. She said, I want to help you. How can I help you? And I thought that was really nice. And then I didn't really know. I was kind of gobsmacked that she came back and asked me. But about a couple of weeks later, she sent me an interesting Facebook message. And she said, I think, and it was a photo of a woman like my age, very attractive, very fashionable. And she said, Melanie, I think you would be amazing doing this kind of work on your social media feed. And what it was is, you know, obviously doing more fashion and beauty and presentation. And I thought about it and I was like, wow, she's so on the mark. That's such a great idea. Thank you so much. And I, I thanked her profusely and said, I'm going to think about this. I may come back to you uh, and maybe we can do something together. But I thought that was just a very nice way of saying thank you to me by giving me a, a suggestion of what I could do to improve my Melanie Fabulous Instagram. So there's just ways to give as well as get. Um, if somebody does something for you from a business standpoint, you don't have to always give back from a business standpoint. Maybe that person has shared with you that she's having some difficulty. Um, She's feeling very stressed. Maybe she is uh, juggling uh, working at home and taking care of the kids and it's making her crazy. Offer to take the kids out on an outing and say, look, you've been great. You've given me a lot of great business advice. I know you're feeling taxed at your work. I'd like to help you out. Can I relieve you of some of the stress by giving you a massage, by taking the kids out, by take, helping you with some time. A friend of mine, uh, his father passed away recently. Sadly, a lot of my friends' fathers and mothers are passing away. And she said, I'm really stressed. I'm juggling you know, my grieving and I'm juggling my work. And I reached out and I said, what can I do to help you? I want to help you while you're going through this difficult time. What can I do to help? And I'm not expecting to be paid. I want to help her. So you have to decide when you want to help and when you want to be paid. And you have to be very clear about it. And and there's no right or wrong answer either way. Just be clear from the beginning. So I hope this has been helpful. I'm going to summarize a few things to drive home the point. Everyone has something that they're really amazingly good at doing or creating. That is your unique special talent and potentially your expertise if you keep doing it and doing it and doing it and you do it well. There is always going to be somebody or some people who want to learn more about how you're doing it because they admire you and maybe they'd like to be like you or learn from you or copy you or whatever. Respect that. It's amazing that you are that go-to person if you want to remain that Work it, work it hard and promote yourself as that go-to person, but also be crystal clear that you're doing it for pay. If you are, if you're doing it as a volunteer or as a mentor to coach others who are less experienced, be clear about that. Be clear about your intention. Be clear about your expertise. 
be clear about your intention, being clear about how you can help others, be very clear if you're doing it for free or if you want to be paid. Be gracious and listen to anyone who wants to talk to you. Don't close the door because they'll always remember the person that slammed the door in their face. And they'll, it's very hard to open that door again. Always keep a door open, but always know that you don't have to give away everything that you have. You can draw the line in the sand and say, I want to help. I'll give you a little bit of time, but then I'll have to charge. I hope you understand. I always say, I hope you understand. Because if you say it that way, most people get it. Because they probably had their brain picked too. So, finally, I want to, again, give you this website that Molly McDonald, the founder of the Pink Fund, shared on my Melanie Young Facebook feed, givesley.com. I think it's interesting. I have no relationship with Givesley. I haven't even signed up yet, but I will because I think it's really neat because I always love to do anything that can support charities. It's www.givesley.com. And Molly McDonald, I'll give her a shout out, thepinkfund.org. Great organizations. So um, be confident in who you are. Be clear about what your intention is. Be firm about what you will give away and what you want to be paid for. And always follow up with every meeting and inquiry in writing and get it in writing when you do have the relationship, working relationship, get everything in writing. And do the great job that you always do and more will come. Hope that's helpful. I'd love to get some feedback from you. Not free. Just did you like the show? Did you not? Do you want more like this? Melanie at MelanieYoung.com or Instagram Melanie Fabulous. Thank you for joining me. And always remember, take good care of yourself. The best investment you can make is in yourself, in the people you care for, in the community you serve. And always know that you have the right and the choice to live life on your terms. Thank you for joining me. Hi, this is Melanie Young, host of Fearless Fabulous You. If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with breast cancer, I urge you to read my book, Getting Things Off My Chest, A Survivor's Guide to Staying Fearless and Fabulous in the Face of Breast Cancer. This is a book I wish I'd had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in August 2009. In it, I interview survivors who provide valuable insights on what they learned from going through breast cancer so they can help you make informed decisions and confident choices. I also talk to medical experts to learn the latest advancements on breast cancer treatment. And I provide important health tips on what to eat, and how to care for yourself so you can stay as healthy and strong as you can every day you're through treatment. Getting Things Off My Chest, A Survivor's Guide to Staying Fearless and Fabulous in the Face of Breast Cancer is available on Amazon and you can buy it through my website, MelanieYoung.com and I'll send you an autographed copy. I want you to stay healthy in every aspect of your life and especially if you're facing a breast cancer diagnosis. So my message to you is stay fearless and fabulous always and in good health.